Hello everybody and welcome to the fifth episode of the Bean and Lop podcast. I'm your host Addy Roy and today's topic is probably, well, something you've all probably never heard about unless you listen to the last minute of the fourth episode. And if you're listening to this, you're probably niche enough to have listened to that fourth episode. Or not. But anyway, today I'm going to be talking about Sonic aging. No, I'm not talking about that Cobalt Blue Hedgehog from Sega that is faster than the speed of light, and Sega have in fact confirmed that Sonic the Hedgehog can indeed outrun the speed of light, so that is a canon fact. But anyway, this episode is not about an aging crippled Sonic the Hedgehog, although that does sound pretty enticing for a future episode of some sort of fanfic. No, I'm allowing it. Sonic aging is actually the process of using sound waves to age spirits, or even some types of foods. Now. I'm not talking about spirits like, you know, spirited away, I'm talking about alcohol. Now that might sound about weird, but what I'm trying to say is, sonic aging involves making whiskey listen to music and taste better as a result. Yeah. Now alcohol in general has really come a long way. Picture this, you're having a waltz around the Glasgow Central Market around about 1820, and you see this dude selling some whiskey. Now it's not just any whiskey, but Walker's Kilmarnock Whiskey. Now, I've probably said that wrong, but whatever. In the 1800s, this was a household name for Scotch whiskey. Not that I know much about whiskey, even in the 21st century. But anyway, the dude selling this stuff, he didn't even drink alcohol, but he was obviously doing something right because everybody wanted it, and it was like gold dust. But anyway, he made some money, and it was pretty successful, locally, you know, within his area. But it was his son, Alexander, who perfected the craft. Now, this isn't exactly Alexander the Great, and instead of hypothesizing an advanced military campaign to occupy most of man-occupied civilization, he actually instead learned the delicate art of blending tea. He then perfected his dad's ancestral craft and made what is, according to my dad, one of the most, one of the most, arguably the most impactful names in all of whiskey today, the Old Highland Whiskey. Now that's not going to ring many bells, at all in fact, you're probably just like, what is this guy saying? But anyway, it got renamed after its universal success in the market, renamed to honour Alexander Walker's father. You got it yet? Talking about Johnny Walker, Black Label. And even if you have heard of them, well in 2016, the company sold over 156.6 million litres of Scotch whiskey. Let's put that into context, not that anybody asked, but anyway, to make it sound a little bit more understandable. In 2016, they sold an equivalent amount of Scotch whiskey to the volume of water flowing through the River Thames in London for about 20 minutes, which is actually kind of insane if you consider that's just one year, and it's kind of nuts. But anyway, enough backstory, whiskey's a fine craft that has really developed over the years with big names like Johnny Walker and Jack Daniels making millions in capital every year off the go off of the golden fluid. And on a personal note, I actually don't really like whiskey at all. I guess it just isn't for me yet. I haven't acquired the taste. I mean, it just tastes like paint thinner, but whatever. Now, in order to get back from the, the massive ramble that I've just been on, I need to explain two major concepts, how whiskey is actually made and what determines a good whiskey. There are actual standards that could be quantified for this. Although I'm aware that at the end of the day, taste is very subjective towards the individual. I'd like to make a quick disclaimer. Please don't try and make whiskey at home by following these steps. 
This is all research I've taken off of the internet, and frankly, I don't want the first comments in this podcast to be about how someone blew up their kitchen following the Bean and Lop whiskey tutorial. I mean, like, come on. Anyway, now obviously the whiskey market is huge, and with so many different blends and subcategories, there is a large degree of variation in how whiskey is created. But anyway, here is the sort of go-to template that everyone uses. The first process is known as malting, that golden booze that gets everyone drunk and is responsible for a large chunk of daily, monthly, and yearly hospital admissions, starts off as raw grain. Malting is essentially allowing the grain to partially germinate, however this isn't the germination you learned in Key Stage 3 Biology, and it's relatively short-lived. Honestly, I never thought I would hear the word germinate in the context of alcohol, but stranger things have indeed happened. Just Google Kanye West. Anyway, the grain mixture is heated, which gradually terminates any germination, and that proceeding the next phase, which is called mashing. Mashing the grain mixture basically extracts the sugar in preparation for the next phase, which is also the most well-known phase in alcohol production, fermentation. In goes the yeast, which basically feasts on all that sugar that was ripped off the grain. Anyone remember what happens if yeast anaerobically respires? Yes, you guessed it. You get C2H5OH, the sacred fluid that sets your soul on fire. It's ethanol. Anyway, fermentation is much longer than the previous stages and can take several days to occur correctly. What you get after the stage is basically a weird fluid with a low percentage of alcohol content, somewhat resembling beer. And the next step is to distill this pond water to make it much more concentrated, but not too concentrated because they don't want you from to go blind from this. Imagine the legal fees for that. Don't think for a second that they actually care about human rights or ethics. Anyways, distillation is really the most vital step in producing whiskey. The process results in a much higher alcohol content and has a key role in removing volatile contents from the weird beer-like fluid I was talking about earlier before I started rambling on about alcohol companies and ethics, a topic which deserved to be debated but not on sacred being a lot podcast. Anyway, distillation is usually done in two main methods, using a pot still or a column still, and both affect the final product. Honestly, I found this stuff pretty interesting, mainly just because it's been a while since GCSE chemistry, and this feels like a throwback to the period of time where valency shells still existed. Gone, but never forgotten. A simpler time. Anyway, pots, pot and column stills. Pot stills basically consist of a bulbous pot where the fermented fluid is repeatedly heated. The pot is connected to another chamber where vapours that are extracted are condensed into liquid, forming the spirit. Pot distillation results in an alcohol of about 60-70% and is well known to be used in the process of making malt whiskies from countries like Scotland, Ireland and Japan. Column still distillation is the other method and this can result in a much more concentrated spirit and more commonly used for bourbon and other American style whiskies. Column stills basically work in a similar way to fractional distillation, in the sense that specific plates in the column rapidly condense the vapour, resulting in different fractions of the initial fermented fluid. As mentioned previously, these can produce incredibly high alcohol percentages, so please don't go constructing your own moonshine making kit. Now the next stage is kind of the topic of this entire episode, and it's called maturation. I'm sure you've all heard of whiskey barrels, or seen some pretty capitalist Jack Daniels adverts on TV about them. Essentially, whiskey is aged in wood till it reaches maturation. The barrels are just as important, if not even more important, than the rest of the process, as maturation is vital to end up with a good, final product. 
The most commonly used wood is oak. Some companies like to use charred oaked barrels, and there is a degree of variation between the choice of wood, but oak does seem to be somewhat of the universal standard. So picture this. You go into a whiskey warehouse, and you just see endless barrels of whiskey. The entire horizon is filled with them. Well, apparently it's not just a marvel for the eyes, but also for the nose. You see, as the alcohol matures, some actually evaporates, resulting in a distinct aroma that is apparently incredible on the olfactory receptors. However, I don't really want to find that out if I'm being blatantly honest. Maturation can take time, like a really long time. The Macallan 81-year-old whiskey was released in February 2022 and had literally been distilled in the year 1940. Now that's an insane amount of time. That whiskey lived through the Second World War, was on the Earth the same time humans landed on the moon, and was probably even influenced by the entropy generated by the birth of Kanye West. I mean, like, come on. After maturation, the next stage is bottling, and well, it's really not difficult to understand, you just bottle it. Like, you know, put it into bottles. Add some packaging to make it look cool and quirky and to inspire youngsters to get addicted. You know, pretty basic things. Okay, but let's get back to the point. Now, you probably understand the process of making whiskey a little bit better. Or not, but it's okay. You're still going to listen to this podcast anyway. Like, let's address the actual purpose of this podcast. The world of sonic aging. Before all of your haters come for me in terms of my sources, I promise I'm not making this up. It only takes a good Google search to understand that I'm in fact spitting facts. My 21 Savage, anyway. But for those really keen beans that want to go the extra mile and a half, have a read of high-intensity ultrasound-assisted extraction of oak compounds for accelerating aging of wines and whiskies. Massive shout out to Lindsay Elizabeth Rogerson from the University of Tennessee for doing their dissertation on such a cool topic. It's 250 pages, by the way. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so what's really important is to understand the aging process in detail. Aging of whiskey, as previously mentioned, is all to do between the reaction of the barrel with the whiskey. Oak normally consists of three main insoluble fibres. We've got cellulose, hemicelluloses, and lignins. There are also a small degree of acids, carbohydrates, and phenols present. More on phenols in a bit. I'm gonna go off on a mad one now. Don't worry if you get lost, all be summarised in the end, so you can just zone out and listen to my voice if you wanted. Or you could just go grab a drink and come back. Cellulose is essentially a regular chain structure composed of anhydroglucopyranose bonded by beta 1 to 4 glycosidic linkages with adjacent hydroxyl groups, resulting in consistent cell wall layers. Hemicelluloses exist within the strong walls created with cellulose and consist of various different sugar components such as pentoses, hexoses, and hexaronic acids. Lignin then acts to further reinforce this structure. Their phenylpropane groups are substituted with hydroxyl and methoxyl groups, which bind to the hemicellulose aspect of the cell wall. Okay, so I'm not going to expect most of you to follow that, but let me summarise. Cellulose is a tough, fibrous material that basically makes a cell wall. Hemicelluloses exist within the cages formed by cell walls, and the cells are then subsequently strengthened through chemical interactions with lignin, specifically electron binding properties. Don't worry about the binding properties, but hopefully that somewhat made sense. And anyway, if it doesn't, you can just read Lindsay's dissertation. I'll leave a link in the description. Anyways, not sure if I've mentioned this before, but you gotta heat the barrel, otherwise ain't nothing gonna happen. Well, I mean, you definitely get drunk off the end product, but the whiskey connoisseurs among you would be very triggered. Now, normally the whole barrel is heated, as this produces the best batch quality. 
interestingly, a method using charred or toasted wood chips in a stainless steel barrel has recently been trialled. Most manufacturers are still using the previous old-fashioned oak barrel method, as the end product of the wood chip process is, is, much, is a much cheaper alcohol. Nevertheless, substituting the standard oak barrels with a shiny stainless steel alternative would save a considerable amount of capital, as the barrels would arguably last much longer, if you know what I'm saying. Now I mentioned phenols before, and these are some of the most important chemicals in the process of maturation, and are essentially a class of organic compounds containing a hydroxyl group and a benzene ring. You can think of them as the golden whiskey molecule, even though they probably have little to no effect on the soothing gold colour of the label. In fact, the colour actually comes from the wood of the barrel. It's been shown that there is not a significant difference between the phenolic ratio of extracted whiskey from the charred chip versus the toasted chip model. However, obviously, there's like a huge difference between oak versus steel barrel-made whiskey. So it will be interesting to see how the industry changes in the coming years, with even more advances in technology and more of an emphasis on sustainability. But like, let's be honest. Sustainability? Like, what business actually cares about that? Anyway, okay, let's finally talk about how sound, the entire kind of point of this episode, actually comes into this whole ball game. So like, what is sound? Well, essentially, we can identify this in the context of this episode as vibration. We don't care about the lyrics in this context at all. It's purely for the propagation of the wood to whiskey interaction. Although, I would 100% support a study trying to link the connection between the quality of a whiskey if sicko mode was played on repeat for the 10 plus years of the aging process. Now, whilst playing Travis Scott and Drake on repeat may not pay off as much, like, you know, in terms of providing the finest gold fluid known to man, sonication is indeed a process that will. Sonication is also known as ultrasound. Now, being a, being a medical student, I know all about ultrasound, or at least I hope I do, and you probably hope I do as well. Anyway, now you would have probably heard about ultrasound scans, you know, checking for babies, or maybe even echocardiograms, checking for valvular abnormalities in the heart. These both use a form of ultrasound known as low intensity. High intensity is instead used as sort of a catalyst to speed up reactions. High intensity, high intensity mechanical vibrations can pass through a medium producing energy, whilst traversing through the medium they create microbubbles, which oscillate and create a convection style effect in the medium they're traveling through. In the case of whiskey, this is essentially a stirring effect, I guess you could think of it like that. However, the barrel itself is not actually being disturbed, which is why it's such a beneficial process. The fact that it's economical, or economically viable as well, really adds to kind of why it's being used, you know, because, I mean, businesses, let's be honest, they don't really care about money. So furthermore, the sonication can actually affect the barrel and the whiskey, therefore having kind of a double whammy effect and greatly favoring this reaction. So like through ultrasonication, you're able to enhance the rate of this aging process, get these desirable phenols at a much quicker rate and make more money. As you can imagine, this can actually be applied throughout many different applications within the food industry. You know, like a lot of different aspects. Interestingly, there has been a decent amount of music regarding aging cheese with music. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, you wouldn't expect it, but there is. Now, normally to get the most effective sonic aging process, you wouldn't bang out some Skrillex on a speaker. And instead, you would invest in a high-end ultrasonic homogenizer. However, these guys actually did just that. Subjecting cheese wheels to Led Zeppelin, random jazz songs that most of us know nothing about, and assorted 90s hip-hop, a blind taste test showed that old-school 90s hip-hop is in fact the greatest of the lot. 
I mean, this, this experiment is probably not the greatest research. In fact, I just Googled it and it just came on a uni lad post. So like, I wouldn't drop out and start a business like with this as your unique product, but like, you know, I mean, if you want a negative profit margin, go ahead. Although don't let me clip your wings, fam. I'm sure you can make money out of anything at this point. But yes, sound and I guess music is indeed used in many different applications. And I find it really interesting how no one really knows about it. Most people sipping on their whiskies after a hard week's work probably have no idea of the sheer mechanical and sonic labor that had to go through to achieve that sweet golden sip. And speaking of things no one knows anything about, Addy Roy is releasing his debut album on the 15th of November. Sorry I had to refer to myself in third person, it just felt right. Put a lot of work into this album and I would really appreciate it if you give it a listen and maybe, potentially, hypothetically, share it with your friends and family, like, come on, it's free, you know? Although the first couple of songs are not that family friendly, uh, I promise you there is something for everyone in the feelings. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed learning about how sound can help age whiskey, because let's face it, you'd probably never hear about it from anyone else. I think the next episode will probably about, be about mirrors, but I'm, I'm not too sure. But please do check out the album, remember, this is only the beginning.